We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Choose your fighter. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. I'm not a cocky person. I'm just passionate. Final round. Uh, yeah, I'm looking for a new podcast partner immediately. Quarantine and chill. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome in, people, to the Music City Audible. We got some energy this week. Why? Because the Titans are on a two-game losing streak, and we're trying to turn it around with nothing but positive energy. Welcome into the Music City Audible, presented by Broadway Sports, partnered with 440 Sports. I'm your host, Justin Graver. With me, as always, is Justin Mello, recording as we always do on Thursday evening. What is up, Justin? I said always. Last week we recorded on Wednesday. What is up, Justin? How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm glad you are as energetic as you are, as you are right now because I am not quite as energetic, and I feel like I got a little negative at times throughout this episode. You know what? I was feeding off Aaron's negative energy. Aaron was a terrific guest, but he hates the Bears so much that uh, I was like, oh, just wait. You don't know. You don't know. <laughs> Who cares that their O-line is banged up? So was the Bengals last week. So I feel I got a little negative at times, but I'm glad you're energetic. I'm glad you're ready to roll. I will be the opposite of you throughout this. Well, to be fair, I got three hours on you over here, so it's That's getting true. late in your neck of the woods. And you teased it there. We have a great guest today, Aaron Lemming of Bear Report of Windy City Gridiron, bona fide Chicago Bears expert. Aaron CBS Lemming. Sports Bears. We, you know what? That's what we try to do on this show. Justin goes out, works a connection. We get a great guest. So we get the full scoop on the Titans opposing team. And this week, that, of course, is the Chicago Bears. So we'll get into that preview in a bit. But first, we have some big news to talk about because the Titans made a lot of moves this week. And the most notable of them, I'm going to jump right into it, had to be what? I, this is actually this arguable. This is tough. Yeah, it's a toss-up. There's two things, right? Trading for, <laughs> trading for Desmond King is hugely notable, of course. And releasing fully guaranteed salary, $9.5 million, Vic Beasley, outside linebackers, also huge news. We're about to touch on both those things. In addition to Jonathan Joseph, cut. Bo Brinkley, cut. Is this the potential week that Adoree Jackson returns? We'll talk about it. And it's been quite the injury report for the Titans on Wednesday and Thursday. I thought you were going to say activating Senorice Perry from the designated to return list. I thought that was... Senorice? Senorice Perry. However you say it. Yeah, that that. one too. Anyway, I was mistaken. Carry on. No no question. That's the biggest piece of news, but we'll just brush over it because it's so big that it's too big for us to talk about. And let's move on instead to talking about Vic Beasley. And I just have to say, John Robinson is a hell of a general manager because a lot of guys in his position, when they make what what we would call a mistake in terms of offseason acquisitions, I would say that most general managers wouldn't admit to that mistake so quickly and completely cut bait with a player, but it's not the first time John Robinson's done something like this. Vic Beasley's gone. He was pretty much horrible. I sugarcoated it all season so far every time I talked about him because I didn't want to paint it in the worst possible light, but now that he's gone, it's a lot easier to be more objective and say that, like, he ain't, like, because we were like, he could get better. He's just working back in if they haven't got him into the defense yet. I mean, clearly none of that's happening because he sucked. He was horrible his whole tenure here. So, I, I, I'm, I'm glad that we're, we're different in a way because I have not been as level-headed so to, or, or, or as optimistic as you have been throughout this. And this release, I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about myself for a second. This release made me feel a lot better about myself because if you read the last edition of Gridiron Grades, 
which I do on, on BroadwaySportsMedia.com every week, basically assigning a letter grade to each position group of the Titans after every game. Um, I was not kind to Vic Beasley. And when I finished writing the portion on him that I did, which, by the way, ended up being the last time I'll have to write about Vic Beasley on Gridiron Greats. I'm not mad about that. Sidebar. Um, if you read it, when I finished writing it, I said to myself, and I actually asked somebody at Broadway, was this too harsh? And they told me it was. And I didn't listen to them. I, I kept it the way I wrote it the first time. But I thought, maybe you shouldn't write when you're angry. Because I, I tore into him. He was so bad in that Bengals game. He had two offsides. It's the only thing he did the entire game. And I started the paragraph about him in the article with, now let's move on to the abomination that is Vic Beasley. And I called him one of the worst free agent signings in Titans history, if not the worst. And again, when I finished writing it, I, I'm, I'm very critical of myself. I read it back and I said, is this too harsh? Maybe, you're, you know, maybe you shouldn't write when you're this angry. But I said, you know what? Screw it. A lot of us, as our listeners, I'm sure they know, a lot of us are Titans fans. We don't hide from that. I myself am a Titans fan, and I am biased at times. Uh, but I do try to make sure that I'm objective as well, and I try to be fair, and I try to criticize the team where they deserve to be criticized. I, I really do. And, and, and I've never enjoyed writing about the Titans. I think I've told you about that in private, and that may surprise people. But I don't enjoy You know, my bread and butter is the NFL draft. As you know, in terms of personal, I don't get a lot of personal you know, pleasure out of writing about the Titans, to be honest. I really don't. I enjoy writing about the NFL draft more than I do the Titans. That's just the God-honest truth. But when I, when I read it back, I said, you know what? No, you're going to leave this in here because he deserves to be criticized. The tenor has been a joke. or not? Sorry, not has been. The tenor was a joke. It was totally pathetic. And I'm glad I was as harsh as I was in the last time I really had to write about him because the next day, John Robinson, two, two, mind, two great minds, they think alike. He must have read Gridiron Grades. He must have come to his senses and said, you know what, I side with Justin Mello. We're just going to cut this guy. And that's what they went out and did. It's not the first time John Robinson has done something like this last year against the Buffalo Bills kicker Cairo Santos missed four field goals and was subsequently released the next day after struggling for the season. Of course, Cairo Santos is doing great now as the Chicago Bears kicker, so Titans fans will see him again this week. But, you know, I, it's, I think it's a great quality to have in a general manager. You know, he cut Kevin Dodd before his contract was up. Obviously, Kevin Dodd was a complete miss and total failure. But I think it's a great quality in a general manager to know Clemson when... Clemson edge rushers. Not to cut you, know, you off, but two Clemson edge rushers. And speaking of performances not being up to par to deserve their contract status on the team, Jonathan Joseph was also <laughs> released. I still am 100% convinced that Jonathan Joseph was signed as a recruiting effort to bring in Jadeveon Clowney. Think about Clowney, <laughs> whatever you want. I'm still pro-Clowney. Some people are not still pro-Clowney, whatever. But his play on the field was so disastrous. I mean that they must have said, you know what, even his veteran locker room leadershipness isn't worth keeping him even in the building anymore at all. <laughs> and Jonathan Joseph has been jettisoned from the roster. Honestly, he's with the great. Arizona Cardinals. It's he's shocking like he's to me how quickly up. he got picked up. Got picked up. Neither Vic Beasley nor Joseph was claimed off waivers, but they uh, have a chance to sign with whatever team they want now, and it looks like Joseph will be heading to Arizona, yes. But... um Man, the Titans cornerbacks, 
were pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> they were or they have been? <laughs> they have been pretty bad for, I mean, at least two weeks, but really the whole season. And Joseph's gone, and it's just kind of, I mean, kind of the same thing with Vic Beasley. You're not playing very well. Goodbye. And I got to give you the props, bro, because you broke the news. If you guys aren't following at JustinM underscore NFL on Twitter, you're going to miss the breaking news when it breaks. And Justin broke this one. So great work getting that scoop. And I'll now turn it over to you to talk about how bad he was. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, I, I did break the Jonathan Joseph release news, although uh, the Titans tweeted it about three minutes or so after I did. So uh, I, I didn't get a ton of credit for it. But uh, it's funny. I had it about an hour before uh, I, I broke it. I was just you, you, I've talked about it on this show before. I take my reputation very seriously and I like to get a confirmation from, you know, two or three sources before I run with something. But needless to say, the Titans, uh, they, they tweeted about three minutes after me. But thank you. I, I, I did break the Joseph news. And I, I, I must say my notifications were something else uh, when I broke. Even though the Titans did, they tweeted it. Uh, I, I got uh, the traction on it was absolutely hilarious. I'll have to say, you can always lean on Twitter to be absolutely savage about another human being losing their job. Because my notifications, I, I, I mean, I must have had four or five hundred responses, whether they were quote tweets or responses, and everything was like, thank God, goodbye good riddance and a lot of other things I can't even say but uh, I had a you know I felt bad for him but I'm not gonna lie I had a bit of a chuckle at the notifications I'm not one of those guys I, I you know I feel for anybody who, who's in that situation but uh, it had to be done and credit John Robinson yeah. for, for and Mike Vrabel um, for just you know he was he was so bad in Cincinnati I'm not gonna hide from it again in gridiron grades if you think I was harsh on Vic Beasley don't read the portion I, I kind of wrote an essay <laughs> on Jonathan Joseph you had to edit it um, you, I kind of I could have written the entire article just on Jonathan Joseph. I really, really pointed out how poorly he played in that. I mean, it was bad, right? Let's let's not lie. It, it was about as bad as it gets. It was one of the worst cornerback performances I've ever seen in a single game. The age factor, the la- lack of athleticism, and all that it is what right. it is. But on it's the play. But, and that and that is what it is, and we knew that going into the season, and you knew that when you expected him to be your cornerback four or five to start the year, and obviously injuries and other things have pushed him up the list there. But the play that really did it for me was when, I can't remember who the receiver was, somebody caught a pass like in the flat, and Joseph was backed off 10, 15 yards like he is every single time. It was Auden Tate, I think. I know exactly Auden the play Tate. you're talking about. It was, like, it was like, not a screen, but it was like a quick dump off. Yeah, quick, quick they pass just to the flat. They threw it to him as soon as they advantage. hunted. Yeah, yeah. Taking advantage of the way the Titans have been playing receivers all year, which is to start 10, 15 yards back. And Joseph, rather than like aggressively run forward, like Attacking in this situation as a cornerback, yeah. as a cornerback in this situation, like here's the thing. Yes, you have to break down and not like overrun and miss the tackle and over pursue and be too aggressive. But in that situation as the cornerback, you actually are supposed to do that. You're supposed to be over aggressive, force him back, spill him back to the inside where your defense is. And if you don't make the play, hope that somebody else comes to make the play. you got to get up there and cover that ground ASAP. Yeah. And Joseph did the opposite. He's like backpedaling, waiting for the player to run him over. What are you doing, bro? Go make the tackle. At least put the effort in to go go miss the yeah. tackle. Do something. <laughs> I, I, I thought maybe it was a confidence issue at that point. I don't know what it was, but if you watch the play, he, I, it's not even that he just gets caught flat-footed. Yeah, there's maybe a little bit of that in there, but he kind of just backs up even more. Like there's just no confidence to attack downhill like he should have right. like he knows and he should have 
That's enough. It's in the past. It's good rins. We're not talking about players that aren't Titans anymore. Actually, we have one more. Bo Brinkley was released. Long time, long snapper. Nine years. Nine year long snapper. Friends with Brett Kern, who is also injured and will be missing this game because of the injury that was suffered on the play where Bo Brinkley botched an extra point snap. Second week in a row, he botched a special team snap. The Titans said that John Robinson said in his press conference that he just hasn't been the same since COVID or something like that. And you... You spoke to someone close to the situation there and got some info? Yeah, I did. I spoke to someone close to the Bo Brinkley situation. And it's kind of sad, you know, who was able to confirm to me that he just hasn't been the same uh, since he caught COVID. And, and it's interesting to hear in a way. Of course, you know, it, we hope he's well. But, um, you know, we, we expect all these athletes to just bounce back. Um, from COVID like it's nothing at all but that's two different sources John Robinson pretty much said it flat out and then someone I spoke with close to the situation uh, confirmed for me that he just hasn't been the same um, since he caught COVID and that's sad you know it's sad to hear uh, and, and you may be able to say it, it cost him his job but it, it, look if this doesn't prove to you how cutthroat of a business the NFL is here's Bo Brinkley who's given the Titans nine terrific years and I'll be honest I'm kind of surprised how quickly they moved on let's be honest has he been has he been an absolute disaster he had two bad snaps Uh, I know one bad snap is too many but he had two bad snaps you'd be hard-pressed to find a bad snap in in nine years that he had the whole time he was here and he had two bad snaps back to back and they got rid of him now you would assume they're probably seeing the same thing in practice Right for them to say that COVID has really messed with them, but it just goes to show you how you know this business is what it is. It's it's cutthroat. Two bad snaps in game, and he's gone after nine years of terrific service. So uh, I spoke to Brett Kern about it as well, um, and 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 Brett really put it in perspective for me how he probably feels about it, about the whole thing because uh, you know we were texting back and forth, and and all he kept repeating to me was nine years. And it kind of gives you the emotional side of the game and what you feel um, about what it goes through. Because that's all Brett kept saying to me. He said, nine years. Nine years I've been with that guy. So he, it's hit him pretty hard, and I know he feels it. Um, and, and it's a shame. And, and you know how these guys are. And Brett's very competitive. He probably blames himself a little. In fact, I know he does for not, you know, you know how these guys are. Not saying he's correct, but I, I could have done a better job trying to catch it. You know what I mean? And maybe he doesn't, lo- you know, maybe he doesn't lose his job kind of thing. So uh, it's tough and it's a cutthroat business. And I wish Bo nothing but the best. I'm, I'm confident that he's going to uh, land somewhere else quickly. I, I've al- I already reported on Twitter uh, two teams that, that, you know, a lot of teams actually um, poking their head into the situation. I know the Dolphins uh, spoke to him. They, they've brought in someone else since then, though. So it seems like they've gone in another direction. Uh, but the Arizona Cardinals are another team, one of many teams um, that have poked their head around the situation. And, and I do think that Bo's going to be snapping somewhere else uh, shortly. And the Titans have a new long snapper. They have two new long snappers, actually. Uh, Matt Overton will be, will be the long snapper this week, which is interesting. He, he's an older guy, longtime NFL player, longtime veteran. Actually hasn't played football in a little while. But the Titans brought him back to the practice squad recently, and he's going to be the long snapper this week uh, because they did sign another one, uh, Matt Orzek, I believe it is, off the Miami Dolphins practice squad. Um, but the thing is, you know, with COVID protocols, he's got to produce, what, I think it's five negative tests in a row before he can get on the field. So there's just not enough time between now and Sunday for them to activate him. Now, let's be honest, he's obviously their preferred scenario because they signed him for a reason despite already having Overton so you're safe to assume that Overton's going to be the snapper for this game but then going forward it's going to be it's going to be uh, Matt Orzek 
who uh, will, will, will come into the Colts game on the Thursday nighter and will seemingly take over from there. That's another little storyline to watch. We haven't really mentioned it, but they're going to have a long snapper this week that obviously they're not super confident in or else they wouldn't have gone out and got another guy. Right, that's very true. So we'll have to see how that situation plays out. Speaking of guys that have to pass a bunch of COVID protocols before they can play, the Titans traded for Desmond King. Yes. And that's really exciting because it, as John Glennon wrote for our website, broadwaysportsmedia.com, A, it signals that the Titans recognize the need to do something differently. And B, it just brings in like this big spark of new energy that like along the same lines, there will be change. And that's the biggest key, I think, here looking at this week, looking at all these roster moves, cutting three guys, trading for another guy, is and signing this long snapper off practice squad some of Mike Vrabel's comments in his press conferences, it feels like this is the week that things are going to drastically change, at least when it comes to the defensive scheme and some of the stuff they're trying to do. I think what they're trying to do is just, A, it's either too complex and like players are getting lost in what their rules are supposed to be for, for certain coverages, or B, it's too difficult. Like Superhorn, our own Superhorn, Bill Ott, tweeted this uh, during the week, earlier this week, about a play where Kevin Byard has to come down to the flat to get the quick pass in the flat to replace a slot cornerback blitz. And it's a combination of having this slot cornerback blitz as an unexpected blitz so that Joe Burrow can be taken off guard. And the other part of it is that they're trying to disguise the coverage on the back end. So Kevin Byard starts in like a high free safety look. And at the snap, Kevin Byard has to run all the way to the flat to cover the flat, which is like 15 yards away, to get, cover the quick pass. The ball comes out in less than two seconds. Kevin Byard has no chance of covering that much ground. So I think that we're about to see some massive differences, massive changes on the defense. Um, Desmond King is not a replacement for Jonathan Joseph. That's, I think, the most interesting aspect here. Desmond King is almost purely a slot cornerback. So he's going to come in and replace Chris Jackson or Kareem Orr or Christian Fulton even. When Christian Fulton's back, I think you'll still probably see King get the nod there, depending on how quickly he can get worked in. But I definitely think he's an upgrade. King is a great blitzer. He's a great run stopper. He's kind of like Logan Ryan, a young Logan Ryan. Mike Herndon's already made this comparison. People have been making it all over Twitter. But it's true. He really is like a young Logan Ryan. And that might be the kind of glue piece at that nickel position that the Titans defense has really been missing so I'm pretty excited to see how things go. But on that note of him not being a Jonathan Joseph replacement, Adoree Jackson. This is the last week that Adoree Jackson can be activated off of IR before he has to revert to IR for what we believe to be the, the rest of the season. I have not been able to verify that information, but I've seen it a bunch of places. So we just have to roll with that as being true right now. But if Adoree Jackson's not activated for this weekend, he's back on IR. So almost 100% certain he's been practicing for two, three weeks now. He missed practice on Thursday, and he missed practice last Friday, but he practiced on the Wednesday in between. I really think Thursday's practice missed was just a maintenance day. And I would be shocked if we don't see the much-anticipated return of Adoree Jackson to replace the now-gone Jonathan Joseph on Sunday. What do you think? Well, first off, let me let me you you packed a whole bunch in there. I'll comment on Desmond. I skipped over Desmond King. Yeah, it's go all to, good. Go to King first. I can handle it. I'll comment on Desmond King. <laughs> I was trying to make the segue about how it wasn't about Jonathan Joseph, but sorry. It's go all ahead. good. It's all this is what we do over at the Music City Audible. Um, we call it audible. Nice. I I'm love calling it. an audible. Here we go. Justin number two. Um, no, the Desmond King. It's a great deal, and and credit John Robinson for going out. Again, the day after the abomination that was the Bengals game and the abomination that the passing defense continues to be uh, and going out one day later. And look, he's, 
he's not taking no shit. They cut Vic Beasley, they cut Jonathan Joseph, they cut Bo Brinkley, three guys they feel were not performing, obviously. Uh, and they go out and trade for Desmond King. So this is huge. And, and King is a terrific player. He's a young player. He's a guy, like you said, although he's not a direct replacement for Joseph, who's playing on the outside. Christian Fulton is banged up right now. Uh, we don't know for sure when he'll be back. Chris Jackson has had his own struggles in the slot. Um, he's going to come in and, and really, I think, play really well in, in, at the nickel spot, something they haven't had. It'll be interesting to see how the splits work when Christian Fulton is back because, you know, they did use a second-round pick on Fulton, and they are high on him. I'd like to see them rotate him in a little bit outside, right? I, I'd like to see them yeah. not think that he's exclusively a slot corner because he wasn't that at L. I mean, he didn't. he played outside at LSU the entire time pretty much. Um, I know the one year that he was suspended, he was going to play in the slot, but he didn't. And I know LSU thought he could play at both positions because uh, you know, way back when I had an interview with the DB coach over there, Corey Raymond, who was a terrific coach and a great guy. And he told me, look, we, we really, you know, it's not just coach speak. We really thought, thought he could play both, thought he could play outside, thought he could play in the, uh, in the slot. And we played him outside the whole year, and he was pretty terrific there, uh, I thought, for the most part. So when he gets back in, I'd like to see them, you know, use him as, as, as a bit of a chess piece, so to speak, in terms of, you know, when, when, when Desmond King needs a break and, and the two uh, outside corners are nice and fresh, meaning Adoree Jackson is back, then put Fulton in there for King. But you know what? When King is fresh and Adoree Jackson or Malcolm Butler needs a break, uh, put, uh, put Christian Fulton outside instead of putting a, a Ty Smith, who we think that yeah. they may put uh, there if they use uh, Fulton as a slot guy exclusively. so uh, But it's a big acquisition, King is. I think he's going to help this passing defense tremendously. Um, and I really love that John Robinson was aggressive to go out and get him. Actually, I don't even know that aggressive is the right word because it only took a sixth-round pick. And they had three of them. It's terrific, right? So they still got two sixth-round picks. Uh, and they traded a third for Desmond King. So it's a no-brainer. It's a great deal for the Titans. It should really help improve this defense, um, as should getting a Dory Jackson back. Again, we anticipate he's going to be back this weekend. Uh, we, we've struggled to find clarity, as you mentioned, truthfully. Uh, no one seems to know for sure or can say with certainty that he would either go on IR for the rest of the year or he would go on IR for another three weeks um, as the, as the um, you know, designated to return IR rule has worked this year. But regardless, you feel like you know, they expect him to be back. And you know, there's, no, there's been no con- concrete evidence that he suffered a setback, but they designated him for return three weeks ago now. So it's quite shocking that he is yet to return. You feel like something happened in there uh, but this feels like we well, can get him back i i do think there is a chance that this is what their plan always was because Three they want to get him ramp they want to they want to ramp him back up to the point where he's in full game shape and not throw him out there too early after he hasn't been able to practice really the entire season and here's the other thing in the past designated to ir in the past meaning non-covid years designated to ir once you are designated or sorry designated to return from ir in the pre-COVID rules, the rule was you could be activated after six weeks, but you wouldn't be able to return to the lineup until after eight weeks, eight games, not weeks. So this isn't that abnormal to have a guy be designated to return and then take three games to get back. That's actually what the process used to be before COVID even existed. And again, we don't know if he had a setback or not, but he missed practice last Friday, which was scary. But then he was back at practice on Wednesday of this week. However, he missed practice on Thursday, along with a whole host of Titans, including A.J. Brown, Jadeveon Clowney, Jeffrey Simmons, and Dennis Kelly, all guys who have been working through various minor ailments. You know, everyone is injured at at this point in the season in the NFL, even if they're not on the injury report. So the guys who are on the injury report, I really think the Titans are just taking maintenance rest days with these guys. We'll have to find out for sure on Friday, but I expect Adoree Jackson to be activated to the roster. 
However, there is one caveat here, which is that they could activate him, which would cost them a roster spot, but would keep them from having to put him back on IR, and then he could be inactive for the game this week if they don't think that he is back yet. If they just activate him because they have to get him back before they lose him for the season, we could see a situation where he's activated and then not actually up for game day. But I think that's a a distant possibility. I don't really see that happening. So I'm going to put all my chips in and say Adori returns this weekend. And they're going to need him for Nick Foles and the Bears passing attack. (laughs) I can't even finish a sentence. So what do you think? Do you think they put Butler on Allen Robinson all game and have him match like they've been doing the last couple of weeks with him? I was thinking about that. I think they should probably. You know, they did it with Chase Claypool, and oddly, they did it with A.J. Green of all the receivers you can choose on the Bengals, but they clearly, um, you know, have been doing that over the past few weeks. I, I think it would make a ton of sense. I mean, if you are going to have him shadow anybody, um, there's there's no one else on the entire Bears offense, truthfully, that you would be that would be worthy of having Malcolm Butler shadow. So to me, it would make a lot of sense to see him shadow Allen Robinson. I also don't consider Allen Robinson, you know, we, we know Butler's not the fastest guy in the world, but I also don't consider Allen Robinson some crazy speed threat, right? That's going to blow by right. You're not going to put Malcolm Butler on Darnell Mooney because that's what Mooney is, right? right. He, is a, he is a speed threat. He's a guy that runs, uh, you know, a, a pretty legit 4-3 uh, over at Tulane. Shout out to Tulane, by the way. I interviewed Mooney when he yeah. was there and I had a great time with him, but he runs a legit 4-3. So you're not going to put Butler on Mooney, so that doesn't make any sense. So, uh, yeah, if they haven't shadow anyone, which they've haven't done over the past few weeks, then, yeah, it should absolutely be Allen Robinson. And I want to point out, by the way, everyone's wondering why Malcolm Butler was shadowing A.J. Green. Like, I don't know if it was about a talent level thing because I don't think that at this point in their careers, A.J. Green's most talented receiver in that room. In fact, he's probably third behind Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. But the two games heading into the matchup with Tennessee, A.J. Green had 24 total targets in two games after having like, I think, 30 barely on the... Okay, let me... Yeah, 35 or so on the season in in five weeks he had 24 in two games so it looked like joe burrow had suddenly found the connection to aj green so i don't totally hate the decision to put malcolm butler on him and obviously aj green had two catches for 19 yards in that game so butler did a pretty good job on him maybe or there was so little resistance on the other side of the field that they didn't even ever need to feel the have the thought of targeting aj green because whoever jonathan joseph was guarding was wide open the whole game anyway moving on no more jonathan joseph talk no more talk about players that aren't titans anymore let's talk about players who are titans and we did it. We did it all. We're done. We're done with this part of the show. Let's now welcome in our guest. Very excited to be joined by Aaron Lemming of Bear Report and Windy City Gridiron. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Aaron Lemming NFL. That's one M in Lemming. Aaron, how you doing tonight? Thanks for joining us. Doing good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, we're excited to get into this matchup, get your perspective on Chicago Bears, not the city, the the team, Chicago Bears, <laughs> and talk about what's going on with their offensive line. I guess that's probably the biggest story this week. Can you catch us up on the COVID situation that is happening in Chicago? Yeah, so uh, the Bears have an interesting situation going on with the offensive line right now, right? So uh, going into last week's game, they had already lost James Daniels, who was their starting left guard. And then uh, they also had Cody Whitehair, who was out uh, their starting center with a calf injury. And then all of a sudden, uh, Bobby Massey got hurt in last week's game. Uh, their starting right tackle, and he was out. And Jason Spriggs kind of got hurt, a little dinged up. He came in, wasn't a big deal. So then all of a sudden this week, Jason Spriggs gets covid and their backup center, uh, Sam Mustafer, is also now magically injured. I 
still cannot figure out how all these injuries are happening. And then today, which is, I guess it would be Thursday, um, Ian Rappaport came out and said that, well, Cody White here now has uh, COVID. I don't think he was going to play, but the issue is, is Jermaine Effetti is also right now on the reserve COVID list because of the close contact with Jason Spriggs. So you're basically looking at a situation right now where you have, and I've just got to kind of picture this in my head because it's still kind of hard to follow. Basically you're going to be, you're looking at the Bears starting a third string center. Um, you're looking at them starting a third string right tackle, which right now is either going to project as their second string right guard and Rashad Coward or their seventh round draft pick who didn't even make the active roster. It, was, it wasn't even on the 53 man roster and they just called him up uh, Lashavia Simmons. Um, so you've got either one of those guys at right tackle um, at right guard. Uh, I'm trying to think here with Jermaine Effetti out. You're probably looking at Alex Bars, who's an undrafted free agent from last year who has hardly played at all. They actually chose to start Rashad Coward over him at right guard originally. Um, then obviously center is going to be interesting. I actually don't know who's going to play center right now. I think they've got somebody on the practice squad that they're going to call up. And then looking at left guard, uh, you've got a situation there where, again, you're probably going to be starting another seventh round rookie. Uh, and uh, I'm trying to even think at this point, I think it's Arlington Hambright uh, out of Colorado who hasn't played a snap this season. Uh, they're only starting offensive lineman that is likely to play in this game unless Jermaine Effetti gets cleared to play left guard is going to be their starting left tackle and Charles Leno Jr., who has been flat out awful um, most of this year and pretty much all of last year. So the Bears have given up 10 sacks over the last two games, and now they're going to be rolling with a bunch of second and third string guys, um, and half of them may not even have played an NFL snap going into this game. Uh, we've got good news for you. Um, so the Titans were a similar situation last week where they played against a Bengals O-line. That, that is worse. The starting O-line, when, when all healthy, I would say is worse than the Bears starting O-line. And then the Bengals were down everybody. Were they down all five? Five Justin? day one starters. Five day one starters. They were down. They started Quentin Spain, who by all accounts is a No, they didn't start. He didn't start. He oh, came he in start, after the first couple series because the guy dominated. who was playing was okay. flat out awful. <laughs> and well, Quentin he wasn't Spain, awful enough. He wasn't awful enough to give up a sack. True. But anyway, so the Titans, Quint, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, so uh, we're <laughs> rambling, but so Quentin Spain comes in after, you know, after a couple series. He had just got there like three days before. Basically, the Bengals started an O-line that met each other in the parking lot before the game. And the Titans rolled out, you know, $9.5 million man, Vic Beasley, in what would be his final Titans appearance, thank God. Jadavion uh, <laughs> Clowney for $13 million or whatever it was. Harold Landry, a second-round pick, yada, yada. And they, three of them have combined so far for one-and-a-half sacks. And they left that Cincinnati game without recording a single sack uh, against what I would say is the worst offensive line in the NFL, who were down five day one starters and had given up 28 sacks entering in the game. So this, this may be just the right time for the Bears to lose all of their O-linemen. And you're optimistic, man. You are very <laughs> optimistic. But here's, and here's maybe the key difference, at least for me, when I'm looking at this. And you could be right. Don't get me wrong. Could be right, but the key difference here is Joe Burrow is actually athletic. Nick Foles is going to stand there in the pocket. I mean, and that's the thing. That's that's the other underrated aspect going into this matchup back position. Is, and this is probably also worth noting. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky isn't. He's he he played one snap on last Sunday. Uh, it was a run play for two yards, hurt his shoulder. He may be out for an extended amount of time. He's definitely not playing. Uh, there's been speculation 
that Tyler Bray, their practice squad quarterback, who would be their backup quarterback, may actually end up being one of the guys in close contact with either Cody Whitehair or Jason Spriggs at this point. So there's a good chance that he may be out too. So the Bears may be going into the game because of COVID protocol without a true backup quarterback because they don't have anybody else on the roster. And Nick Foles is taking some ugly sacks, man. And when I say ugly, I mean ugly. And the other issue with him is that he's starting to look a lot like Mitchell Trubisky with his footwork because he's not getting any time. So again, I mean, it's going to be one of those things, either it's going to be a breakthrough for the Bears makeshift offensive line that basically is fielding a bunch of guys that have never started a game or shouldn't be in the NFL, or it's finally going to be a breakthrough for the Titans. And I will say this much with the Bears luck this year in terms of how things have been going, at least lately, I'm leaning heavily towards the Titans actually being able to figure things out and have that have that game. And it'll it'll be interesting because that's not this is going to be a game of breakthroughs. Because not only is something going to have to give when it comes to the Titans pass rush versus the Bears O-line, but something's got to give in terms of the Bears' anemic passing attack and the Titans' passing defense, which is just giving up everything. And they got the, I, don't, I don't know how much you know going into this, but the Titans have the, the worst third-down defense um, in the history of football. Since football has been played through eight weeks of a season, through no eight team. weeks of the season, let Gra- Graver's. <laughs> I'm optimistic, but Graver will come in and correct me on well, that. Through eight weeks of a season, no Wait. team has ever been this bad on third down defense since they started recording third down conversion percentages in like 1992 or something is what I saw. So the, the, since 92, yeah. no team has had a worse third down defense through eight weeks. And last week, not only did the Titans not get a sack, they didn't record a QB hit in terms of hitting the quarterback while he's releasing the ball. They had Joe Burrow wrapped up three times in one play, and he somehow magically escaped all three of those. And then they actually got a stop on that play. It was a third down that he scrambled for two yards. They actually got a stop. That play that Titans fans are, like, totally lamenting about how did they not bring Joe Burrow down was ended in a punt. So, like, that was the... <laughs> it, it did, yeah, it, it did end in a punt. That, that That's true. But the Titans are giving up a generous 61% right now of third downs to be converted so something's got to give talk to us about Nick Foles and this passing offense you probably don't want to and I'm sorry for making you do it but talk to us a little about Nick Foles yeah well I mean it's been it's been a rough go man um you know I I just recorded my podcast a few days ago and I accidentally went off on a rant of about 10 or 15 minutes just talking about the offense as a whole but the play calling Matt Nagy, the quarterback situation. That's kind of the, that's kind of the conundrum right now for bears fans, right? Is you have somewhat of a split room of people who thought Trubisky should have kept his job. Uh, you had the other part, me included that said, okay, well, Nick Foles is at least more of a proven guy. Neither one of these guys are good. I mean, we, we, we knew this going into the year in training camp. Um, you know, my guy, Zach, that is the primary writer for bear report, the guy that goes out and actually, you know, lives in Chicago, does, you know, goes to all the practices. I mean, he's texting me every day. He's like, dude, this quarterback competition is terrible. Both of these guys look terrible. It's like, you know, so none of this is really a surprise. But the thing with Foles is I think he started off decently confident, right? And as things have progressed, the biggest issue that I've seen is he's been in a similar offense twice now. He's been in it with Philadelphia. He's been in it with Kansas City. He was, in, you know, Philadelphia when – uh you know, when Andy Reid was there and then also, you know, obviously in, in, in Kansas City and then Philadelphia again um, with Doug Peterson. The issue that I'm seeing is that there's a big disconnect between the Andy Reid offense, which Matt Nagy is supposedly running. I, I haven't seen evidence of this yet, but <laughs> he's, you know, he's supposedly running this offense. He has been for 
you know, two plus years now. And yet Nick Foles is going out there consistently in either not getting the play call in time or simply not liking the play call or whatever it may be. There's been a ton of delay of games. There's been a ton of confusion on the field. Uh, he has checked out of multiple things on multiple occasions and he's checked out wrong, uh, you know, a multitude of times. The bigger issue that I'm seeing though, as of late really comes down to the ineffectiveness of the passing game and here, here's the thing. Okay. This is really, and this, this is kind of the, the, the simple fact of the bears offense. You talk about how bad the Titans defense has been on third down, right? Well, you got a team in the bears. If they're anywhere third and seven or beyond that point, they're in a heap of trouble. I mean, it's basically, if they get behind the chains in any drive at all, they're screwed. It's just, that that's all there is to it. And we've seen it multiple times because they don't have an offense that is designed to be able to get out of these holes. And that's something that originally Nick Foles looked like he was kind of fixing a little bit because Trubisky is just Trubisky. I mean, there's just really no other way around it. But the issue over the last few weeks, especially within the passing game, is is the offensive line has been failing miserably. And obviously some of that is injuries, but some of that is simply they're just not they're just not playing well. I, I you know, it, it's and it's not just in the passing game, it's been in the running game. The running game has been a consistent issue all year except for the first two weeks of the season. But when you look at their pass blocking, especially over the last, like I said, over the last two weeks, he's been sacked 10 times. And some of these are on Foles and some of these are not, but he's getting happy feet in the pocket, which he's never got. I've never seen Nick Foles have happy feet in the pocket. And the problem is, is his arm slot is, is just wonky all the time. His release point is, uh, you know, inconsistent at best. And because of that, his accuracy and his decision-making have been, very questionable. So really what you're getting is you're getting the product and the consistency of somebody like Mitchell Trubisky without the athleticism. So <laughs> really with it, with this, with this passing offense, it, it, it's kind of funny because you look at it and it's like, okay, Allen Robinson, at least in my opinion, is one of the most underrated receivers in the NFL right now. I mean, he, it, it, I mean, just, just look at it. I mean, it, just look at the quarterbacks that he's played with and tell me how he's been able to put up the numbers that he's been able to put up with, with a quarterback play that he's had. I mean, he's a, he's an excellent receiver. The bears are making a giant mistake by not having extended him yet. Darnell Mooney is a fifth round rookie out of Tulane. Uh, he has looked very impressive. A lot of people thought he was just going to be kind of a deep threat, just kind of a, you know, j- just a very one trick pony. He's actually been an excellent route runner. He's been, he looks like a veteran. I mean, he, he's looked great. Anthony Miller comes on at times. I mean, and again, I'm not trying to oversell, the passing offense and the receivers by any means. Jimmy Graham has been questionable at best. Uh, Cole Komet has been, again, questionable at best. But they have some weapons there. The issue is is that the the offense gets behind so much and the play calling is such an issue. And, again, the offensive line has been an issue and will probably be more of an issue this week with what they have to where you're seeing an inconsistent passing attack that results in a lot of screens, a lot of short passing situations, and the occasional, the occasional deep ball that – I mean, I'll just be honest, Nick Foles has hit twice in, you know, the last three games. So you're you're really looking at a limited passing attack that simply relies on staying ahead of the chains. I mean, their entire offense relies on staying ahead of the chains, but especially that passing attack, because the reality of it is they're not running the ball well at all. And they're relying on passing the ball 35 or 40 times a game. And I mean, Nick Foles isn't averaging anywhere near 250 yards a game right now. And that's, again, a big issue. So, I mean, to kind of answer your question in a long winded way, there's so many issues right now. 
Um, and I think some of the schematic, some of it's a quarterback situation, but I think it's just a combination of a lot of different things, but it's not really for a lack of talent. Again, I'm not saying that they have elite talent at the receiver position, but they have more than enough talent about a lot of unsustained drives. Uh, and uh, over the last few weeks, Nick Foles is averaging at least one interception a game, if sometimes not two. And he had one last week where it should have been picked two, and the DB basically ended up dropping it because it was a fourth down play and they could have got better field position by simply dropping it. So there's a lot of issues offensively, man. I, I you know, and it's, it's not going to get any better. And, you know, Nick Foles is clearly not the answer, but man, it's, it's hard to see even for as much as the Titans have struggled in terms of a passing defense, the bears are so one dimensional right now. And again, everything has to be so perfect with them. And even then the play calling from a, from a drive to drive standpoint is so inconsistent it's, it's another one where, again, you know, I don't mean to continue to oversell this for Titans fans, but this could be a game for them where you, you guys are sitting back looking like, wow, maybe this is the breakthrough on multiple fronts that you guys finally needed. I'm, I'm going to go on a limb and say you're not overly optimistic about this game. No, no, not at all. I, I, you know what's funny is I actually do just looking at the trend of both teams and how they've won this year and how they've played games. It's probably going to be a decently close game. But again, you know, objectively speaking, when I look at this matchup, there, there are some points where the Bears may have the advantage, but there's also a lot of points in which the Bears, the Bears' weaknesses are a lot of the Titans' strengths. And I think that's really what that's going to come down to for the Bears is they have been getting eaten up uh, in terms of matchups this year where you look at a matchup where you're like, oh, this could be a problem. It's always a problem. <laughs> well, one matchup that could be a problem in favor of the Bears is Allen Robinson against whichever cornerback is out there for the Titans you mentioned him as being one of the most underrated receivers in the league. I completely agree. Poor guy's never had a quarterback his whole life. Probably, I mean, unless his high school quarterback was amazing, like how many good high school quarterbacks are there really? <laughs> like this guy's never played with a good quarterback. Um, but the Titans defense right now, 29th in passing success rate allowed and 19th in rushing success rate allowed, which that 29th number is so low because the Titans pass defense has been so bad, but they then will get an interception at the end of a drive or something and like negate 15 horrible snaps with a great 16th snap like they did against Pittsburgh on Pittsburgh's last potential offensive drive until the Titans missed that field goal. So I do think that there's a chance, again, this is a something's got to give game where the Bears could be ahead of schedule a little more than they're used to just because the Titans are giving up five, six, eight yards on first and second down pretty frequently, both through the air and on the ground. And I know that the Bears rushing situation is kind of a mess too, but what are your thoughts on David Montgomery? Because the Titans have not been good at stopping the run. And it's kind of been masked the last couple of weeks because they haven't had to stop the run because opposing teams have found so much success throwing the ball that it just makes it look like the Titans can't stop anyone through the passing game. But like before that, they also couldn't stop anyone on the ground. So what do you what are your overall impressions of Montgomery just as someone who covers the Bears? Well, I think Montgomery's been in a little bit of a mixed bag because I'm actually an Oklahoma fan. So I've seen quite a bit of David Montgomery even going back to his Iowa State days. I mean, I was a big fan of him coming out. And the one concern that I had with him was just his lack of overall burst and his lack of speed. And that's something that so far has been an issue. And I think the other issue has kind of been, and obviously, don't get me wrong, the offensive line play has not been good. The run blocking has been bad pretty much since Matt Nagy took over. I mean, it, it's been one of those situations where you where you can go back and you can look at it as a Bears fan. Originally, they had Jordan Howard, who had put up two straight 1,000-yard seasons. And then Matt Nagy steps in, and all of a sudden, Jordan Howard's not a fit. So Jordan Howard plays out the year in 2018, and then they go out and they draft David Montgomery. The problem is, 
is they're still having issues running the ball. And I, again, part of it is the offensive line. I think part of it is a lack of vision. And that's something that I've noticed from David Montgomery on a pretty consistent basis, especially this, this year, this year, especially, I think last year, a lot of it was hesitation this year. I think it's just been a complete lack of vision at times where he has holes and he's simply not hitting them quick enough or he's too indecisive to do so, or he's simply not finding them. Uh, I think as a whole, I, I think on most teams, um, obviously, you know, the, the, the Titans for sure. Uh, but for most teams, I feel like David Montgomery would probably be a good complimentary back where you'd want him in the backfield, maybe, you know, 50, 60% of the time. Uh, and that was kind of the idea with having him and Tariq Cohen. Obviously, Tariq Cohen towards ACL, um, returning a punt this year, and he's out. And Cordero Patterson has been non-existent as a running back, even though they pretty much converted into a running back. So a lot of this has been on David Montgomery at this point. And I just don't know that he has the kind of burst that you would want for somebody who's going to be a three down back. I mean, he's a solid receiver out of the backfield. He breaks a lot of tackles. Um, but again, he just doesn't have a lot of burst. So I mean, he hasn't been bad by any means, but I don't think, you know, especially when you don't have anything except a third round pick in the first three rounds of a draft. And it's a late third round pick at that back in 2000, uh, you know, the 2019 draft and you trade up in the third round, you can never trade up for running back, but you trade up in the third round, the draft David Montgomery and you expect more. And they just, they had, they haven't got the type of production that you would expect for trading up again, not to say that he's been bad, but I think he's been pretty ordinary. And again, going into this matchup, I know you kind of just pointed out that, you know, the Titans have kind of struggled against the run. And let me just tell you, uh, the bears played a Panthers team uh, a few year, a few weeks back that really struggled against the run too. And everybody, including myself was like, all right, this is a game. This is the game that the bears are going to figure out the running game. This is a game that they're finally going to figure it out. They didn't figure it out. Uh, you know, what's funny is actually last week was probably the best success that they've had since week two um, in the running game against the Saints team that hasn't given up a 100-yard rusher in over 40 games. And even then, the only reason David Montgomery's numbers looked as good as they did is because he had a 38-yard run towards the end of the game. And it, it just kind of goes to show you, and again, it, it's not all on David Montgomery. I mean, there's been a, a consistent run issue, even going back to Matt Nagy's time in Kansas City when he called plays those last eight games. They were just the, the scheme as a whole has not worked. They changed out their offensive line coach. They changed out their offensive coordinator. And things remain the same. It's just a consistent battle week in and week out. The Bears are best running the ball, especially with David Montgomery, when they go outside zone. And they haven't done that a lot. They went outside zone the first two weeks of the season. They had a lot of success. All of a sudden, they take away the outside zone. I think part of that was because they went away from Trubisky and they went to Foles. But as soon as they went away from that outside zone, then all of a sudden, the predictability of the run game has been just – it's its hard to watch sometimes. It's, it's really hard to sit there and watch them line up. Uh, especially with Nick Foles, they play a lot on the shotgun. And that's the other issue is that it, it, it to be able to set up runs, especially on the shotgun, it's, it's, it's a lot harder to do and not be predictable. So looking at the run game, I mean, you're, you're that's exactly what you're going to get. You may get Patterson for a few snaps here and there, and I don't think they're going to activate Lamar Miller again this week. So I think you're looking at a situation where it's basically going to be David Montgomery again, and you're going to see a lot of small chunks. I mean, he's hard to bring down, but you're not going to see a ton of burst. You're not going to see a ton of chunk yardage. You're going to see some ability out of the backfield. But again, you know, especially being, you know, Titans fans, when you're used to watching somebody like Derrick Henry, uh, you know, it's, it, it's quite the, it's, quite the downgrade 
um, you know, visually for you guys, it will be, but for the bears, you know, <laughs> it's, it's just something that until they get the run game going until they get this offense going, it's going to be one of those, you, you know, you got to see it to believe it kind of things. But I think with Tariq Cohen now being gone and that kind of change of pace guy, uh, and him being in there for, you know, 70, 80% of the snaps, the, the productivity has just not been at all what I think a lot of people thought it would be. Yeah. Aaron, this has been fantastic. I have really enjoyed how optimistic you are about this Bears offense uh, in general. It's nice to hear someone else, uh, you know, really dislike uh, their team in the direction. And I'll be honest with you, I do agree that you have every reason to feel uh, the way that you do. But um, we've taken a lot of your time. In closing, uh, give us a prediction uh, in terms of, you know, it doesn't have to be a score prediction, but who you see winning this game, how you see the overall flow of the game going, and, and just your overall thoughts. Yeah, so, uh, you know, kind of touching back on some of the stuff that we've talked about, you know, maybe some of the perceived poor matchups for the Titans. You know, it's it's one of those things where I, I think this is going to come down to one thing and one thing only, and it's going to be how both teams run the ball, right? And that's kind of something that we didn't really touch on with the Bears defense. The Bears defense has been really good this year. Uh, you, you can look at the numbers. Everything's down a little bit more than it usually is. Their biggest issue is they have had trouble stopping the run all season long and to put it lightly uh many bears fans have been having nightmares thinking about just how hard it's going to be for this team to be able to contain derrick henry and ultimately i think that's what it's going to come down to i think it's going to come down to the bears being able to run the ball and the bears being able to stop derrick henry and maybe the bears can run the ball but i don't see how the bears are going to stop derrick henry and i think that's kind of the big key so all in all, I do think it's going to be a close game. Um, I, I think when you look at the trend of how both teams have played the majority of the year, I mean, the Titans have a lot of close victories as well. Um, I do think, you know, don't get me wrong. I do think the Titans are a better team. I think the Titans are a much better built team than the Bears, and especially with all the Bears injuries and all the COVID stuff going on right now. But I do think it's going to be a close game. I think ultimately it's going to end up coming down probably within one score. Uh, the score I gave in my score prediction, um, you know, on the podcast that I did the other day, was 23-17. That just feels right. 23-17 Titans, by the way. It just, to me, that feels right because it seems like every single game that the Bears have had this year outside of the Rams game, and I guess, well, even the Colts game came down on kind of the last possession if they got it back, uh, it's come down to last possession. And, I mean, that's just really how, how it's been for Bears fans this year. You go into the game feeling optimistic. You ride the roller coaster, and at the end, you're having a heart attack, and you're either winning the game or you're losing the game. And I, I just... I feel like the Titans have followed somewhat of a similar trend in a lot of their games this year, especially with their wins. So I'm going to stick to a close game. I do think it might end up coming down to that last possession uh, or, you know, either way, but I do think it's going to be a close one. But again, man, I, I think this is going to come down to the run game for both teams. And there's just no way, especially when you're, when you're facing a team like the Titans with Derrick Henry and the issues that the bears have had defensively stopping the run. I just don't see how that ends up favorable for the bears. So, yeah. 23-17 uh, Titans is what I'm going with. Well, if it does come down to the final possession, uh, Graver and I certainly hope it does not come down to a Titans field goal attempt. That is the <laughs> last thing that we want to see. Uh, hey, Cairo last... Santos has been pretty good up in Chicago. Huh? I was just going to say, I was like, the Bears might have found their kicker. It's crazy. Santos <sighs> Don't has remind been... me. 
Santos has been a revelation this year. I, I'm honest with that. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's been some nice things developed for the Bears this year. The most surprising thing, and I was one of the most vocal people, I'm like, why would you ever bring Cairo Santos back for a second stand with the Bears? Why would you ever do it? Like, why wouldn't you just go out and get a veteran? I was like, dude, get Kai Forbath. Like, figure it out next season. Like, Forbath's at least somewhat reliable for you. Dude, Santos has been, especially over the last few games, has been nails. He looks a lot like he did back in 2016 with the, with the chiefs. He's got his leg back and it's crazy. Cause he's, he's actually still only 28. It'll be 29. I think it's next week, but I mean, he's still relatively young for being in the league as long as he had, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's the one real positive development for the bears is, Hey, they found a kicker. They still can't find a quarterback, but at least they found a kicker. <laughs> well, the cure for kickers in the NFL is to just leave the Titans. That's what it's been over the last two years. Ryan Suckup is doing terrific in Tampa. Cairo Santos is doing terrific in Chicago. And the Titans still can't find a kicker because Steven Gostkowski um, has, has been the worst kicker in the NFL this year, percentage-wise. Yeah. See, that's well, that's been the Bears the last few years, too. It's like even even Parkey. It's like Parkey's doing well with, uh, you know, with the Browns. And then as soon as they cut Robbie Gold, all of a sudden Robbie Gold has a – you know, all he he looked like Robbie Gold and two you know two of the Bears defense. Robbie Gold looked like he was completely done. When the Bears cut him, it looked like he was done. He goes to the Giants, re- revitalizes everything, goes to San Francisco, and all of a sudden it's like you know everybody's clamoring for the Bears to get him back. And obviously it didn't happen. But no, I I hear you, man. It's one of those things where hey, at least at least you guys found a quarterback because I can tell you right now the Bears could have rolled the dice a thousand times and they would have never fallen into a Ryan Tannehill type situation. You know, you know, especially with Marcus Mariota where I I think you can probably count that as a mess, right. Where you take a guy second overall and he doesn't end up panning out, but then you end up somehow lucking into, and again, Tannehill may not be the best quarterback, but I mean, he's, he's pretty dang good, especially for what they're trying to do. And especially what they did last year and what they're doing so far this year. I mean, the bears would absolutely kill for a situation like that. And I think a lot of people actually made that comparison Bears fans made that comparison, <laughs> hoping that Nick Foles is going to be that guy. It's like, no, Nick Foles is not the guy. <laughs> Bears so, are Super I mean, Bowl. That, Bears are Super Bowl contenders with Ryan Tannehill. I think. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I, I thought they defense. were. They would have been Super Bowl contenders if they would have got even a guy like Teddy Bridgewater. You know, but again, you know, there, there's a lot of issues on the offensive line, and that's something that we've kind of been going through over the last few weeks. Is just kind of figuring out. It's like, how did they get here? How do you take so many swings at the offense as a whole? And how do you get out of this? Because the Bears don't have a good cap situation moving forward. Um, I mean, the reality of it is, man, they're five and three right now. Even if they lose, they're going to be five and four. Looking at their schedule for the rest of the way out, if they don't win at least eight or nine games, I mean, I would be shocked. And that's coming from a pretty pessimistic standpoint and feeling like these last few weeks, including this week, are going to kind of set the tone for the rest of the season. But just because of how and what schedule they have left, I mean, the reality is they're probably going to get to at least eight wins, if not nine wins. And, you know, there may be four quarterbacks go within the top 15 picks. And obviously, Justin, you know more about this than I would at this point, at least from what I've seen and what I've, you know, kind of evaluated so far. It's like I could make an argument for four guys going in the top 15 and the Bears may be out of the top 15 at this point. So it's a really weird situation for them to be in. So trust me, be thankful you got a quarterback because that that in itself goes a long way. Even though, you know, the Bears have gotten the Bears and the Titans have kind of got to a similar point, at least record wise, very different ways. And I can tell you right now, if you ask anybody who watches watches the NFL or who covers the NFL right now, if you would rather be the Titans or the Bears, I can tell you right now, almost everybody's going to say the Titans. And the reason that they're going to say the Titans is even though that defense has been struggling, 
they have a much better offense. And this is an offensive league. I mean, that's just really what it comes down to. And I think a lot of people would also say, well, who would you really have, Ryan Tannehill or Nick Foles? And obviously we know the answer to that question. So it could be a lot worse. I think the Titans are still a dang good team. I think they're going through a little bit of a bump right now. Um, But I think the Bears are also going through a bump. But I think the bump is – much more substantial and it's much more of a leveling out than, you know, a team like the Titans, where I, I still think the Titans are in a really good spot right now. Well, look, Aaron, we appreciate you. And, and I like you. So I hope the bears find their Ryan Tannehill this off season, or I hope <laughs> they find a way to draft early enough to find their guy. And fast forward a couple months from now, uh, I'll probably be on your podcast, evaluating quarterback prospects. Oh, and, you absolutely uh, will. You can, you can guarantee that. No, oh, yeah, you can guarantee that. You we you will absolutely will. So yeah, we'll we'll definitely make that happen. So yeah, I'm I'm just hoping for a good game. One way or another, I was hoping for a good game. I think we'll at least get a close game out of this. So we'll see. Yeah, like you said, Titans and Bears both give us a uh, a close game almost every single week. So we'll probably be in for something good there. This is going to be must watch television. Must oh, watch no question. Between, between their passing attack and the third down defense and their line and the Titans rushing attack, this is going to be you, – you could, you could study this. This could, be a, this could be really a case study. This is going to be fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that'll do it for our show. Before we get out of here, Justin, I want you to give me a game prediction of your own. We heard Aaron's there, 23-17, he says. It's pretty good, yes, honestly. But what do you got? I think the Titans win this one pretty handedly. Um, I'm going to go 23-10. T- 23-10 for the Titans. Yeah, I think Nick Foles is just a, an abomination of a quarterback. And as bad as the Titans' third down defense is, it, sh- it should be a little better uh, with the Bears' makeshift O-line and, and, and having Desmond King seemingly is probably going to be active for this one. Chore seems Hopefully. that way. If you follow him on social media, he tweeted yeah. uh, something that would indicate he's going to be active. And assuming they get a Dory Jackson back as well, this is a much better corner group than it's been. And this is a very bad passing attack in Chicago. Uh, never say never. It, it wouldn't shock me if the Titans' passing defense remains bad. We've seen stranger things happen. But ultimately, I think the Bears' offense is bad enough. Um, where the Titans do pretty good in this one. And, and and I'm respecting the Bears' defense. I was going to say more points than 23, but it's a very good Bears' defense. So uh, 23-10 Titans. Nice. I'll go 24-17. I think the Bears score a late touchdown and make it closer than it really felt the whole game. I think the Titans will be mostly in control, assuming, of course, that Jadeveon Clowney and Jeffrey Simmons and Dennis Kelly and all the guys who didn't practice on Thursday are back in full participation on Friday, which is what we'll expect, but we'll stay tuned for that later today. And that's it. That's all we got for this episode. Hope you enjoyed our guest, Aaron Lemming. You can follow him at Aaron Lemming NFL. I already said that many times. You can follow Justin at Justin M underscore NFL. Got to follow Justin so you can see the next news that he breaks, whether that be the release of a player that we're never going to talk about again or another item of news. You can get it all on Justin's timeline and you can get it all on my timeline too at Titans Film Room. Or, or if you're super interested in my very correct food takes like that chili should never have beans, that Smarties are the best candy, that pineapple is the best pizza topping, you can check out my new account at Titans Food Room where I will probably never (laughs) ever be using that account because it's uh, mostly a joke. Anyway, that'll do it for the episode. We don't have enough time to get into your horrific food takes. Not this, this is just... Most of my food takes are not horrific, for the record. I'm just... Pineapple's the best topic, number one? Number one. I mean, look, I said most of my food takes are not horrific. The ones that are, 
hot takes. I staunchly defend them and I'm not afraid to share them because I know I can get a nice rise out of Zach at F Words Pod. Make sure you're following everybody on the you Broadway so team. <laughs> this has been the Music Teresa. City Audible presented by Broadway Sports, partnered with 440 Sports. Check out broadwaysportsmedia.com. Get yourself an all-access pass. Read all the writings of John Glennon, my current in film reviews, my Superhorn game previews, In the Trenches with Ryan Watson, tons of podcasts on Broadway Sports Media. You guys know who we are. You follow us, so check it out. And that'll do it for this episode. Any last thoughts? I cut you off, so I don't want to do that. If you had anything else you wanted to add? No? I have, not- I have nothing left to say to you. <laughs> we're good. Roll those. Roll. The song's playing. Roll. We're done. A Broadway sports media production.